that's a rendition of the late Canadian composer Ben Steinberg's version of the Ose Shalom prayer. Here it was being sung by the choir of a reformed temple in New York State during the pandemic. And I'm playing it because it's time once again for Honourable Mention, where we at the CJN pay tribute to the Honourable Mention and women from the Canadian Jewish community who have passed away recently. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, March the 16th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. On this episode, Ron Silag will be back to help us learn more about our Honourable Mention, who all come from the arts world this time, including a budding artist from Winnipeg, Ben Benchimol, whose life was cut short before his 18th birthday. We'll have Ben's story and more right after this message. During World War II, the Nazis began a little-known program of extermination for their own children. In Peter Klenot's new mystery thriller, The Unwanted, 14-year-old Hannah Ziegler is being driven by her grandfather and her psychiatrist to a euthanasia center. 16-year-old Silky Hartenstein graces the cover of Nazi propaganda magazines. Avi Kreisler is a Munich police detective rounded up for Dachau. And a patrician father hopes his son, David McAuliffe, will be elected the first Catholic president of the United States. In The Unwanted, in the aftermath of war, revenge brings these four people together in ways unimaginable. The Unwanted. Do not skip to the last page. Find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And joining me now is Ron Silag, back again for this edition of Honourable Mention. Hi, Ron. Hey, Ellen. Always good to be here. As a matter of fact, our listeners will be very interested because everybody that we're going to speak to you about and Ron's going to unpack their lives were in the arts and cultural world, right? For different uh, painters and musicians and beatboxers even. And usually, Ron, will tell our listeners that usually the folks that you bring us have lived full lives, if you can say that. And that's true for many of our subjects today. We have uh, Ben Steinberg, he was 93. We have uh, Mendelssohn Joe in his late 70s, even somebody, Eleanor Koldowski, who died when she was 102. But before we get into that, I want to tell our listeners about a lovely young man from Winnipeg who died of cancer at 17. Ron, that was the sound of Ben Benchimol beatboxing. March 5th would have been Ben's 18th birthday, and he was a grade 12 student at Winnipeg's Gray Academy, and he died of cancer in December. He was 17. His family had moved to Canada from Israel. They started to send him to Gray Academy when he was in grade 7, and he was diagnosed with Ewing's sarcoma when he was 14. And as he fought the cancer and he took his treatments, Ben Ben, as they called him, also lived his life as a teenager. So he was a skateboarder and he did martial arts and he did fine arts and he was a beatboxer, which is, you know, like using your mic and going with your mouth to make music. Anyway, after he passed away, the students and the teachers in his school were so devastated by his death, as you can imagine, that they launched a fundraising effort on Friday, March the 3rd, which would have been just before his birthday, which was March 5th. And the money that they're collecting is going to a fund set up in Ben's memory through Gray Academy uh, with the Jewish Foundation of Manitoba. It's called the Simchat Chaim Fund. And according to the school principal, 
The annual earnings from this fund will be used for programs in the school to bring joy to others and to give students the opportunity to share their passions and celebrate life like Ben did. I wanted to tell you that at the end of his life in the fall, Ben came to school with a painting that he'd made. It was titled Bella. And he delivered an emotional poem to an audience of, about his feelings. And after his death, the aunt had a po this poem set to music and they hired a professional singer to perform it. And so we'll put a link in the show notes to the Ben Benjamin fund and to the song. If you want to donate, they want to raise $10,000. Uh, they're nearly halfway there. Ben leaves behind his parents, Tatiana and David, a brother and sister, and his beloved dog, Yuki. So here is a bit of the song called Bella. Got to keep on fighting Just one more day But all this pain I'm hiding Is destroying the best of me World so dark and silent brings a storm of pain. Paint a portrait of emotions. Is this all a dream? Keep searching, searching for that hope. And now, Ron, everybody in our podcast today, as we mentioned to our audience, was involved in some way in the cultural field in Canada. One of those performers, uh, composers, and songwriters that many people in Toronto might know is Ben Steinberg. He passed away. Tell us about him. Ben Steinberg was sort of the dean of Canadian liturgical temple composers, musicians. He was a composer, conductor, organist, music educator. Um, he was just steeped in the music scene. He even spoke in a musical style when I interviewed him once. I couldn't believe it. He was a, really a central figure in Toronto, and he was... Um, director, or he was a director of music, I believe, that was his correct title, at Temple Sinai, for just over, just nearly five decades, beginning in 1970, and then composer in residence, beginning in 1996, big long stretch, wrote a ton of music, liturgical music, singing, cantorial music. He was uh, in the Canadian League of Composers. Uh, he was an associate of the Canadian Music Centre. He would uh, broadcast on the CBC, presented similar programs and lectures, recitals, etc., all over the United States, Canada. Um, he was born in uh, Winnipeg, uh, so something in the water in Winnipeg, because a lot of really brilliant people have come out of there, second only to Montreal, may I say. Uh, the son of a cantor and a conductor, his name was Alexander Steinberg, a lot of older Winnipeggers will remember that name. Uh, by the age of eight, Ben was singing as a soloist in his father's choir. Uh, he studied uh, music, music education, rather, at the University of Toronto. Uh, his first job was at the Holy Blossom Temple, where he directed the music program. He held that position until 1960, uh, and then uh, became the temple's music director. He was artist-in-residence in 1978, 9, and 80 for the city of Jerusalem which is very a prestigious, very prestigious uh, position. He was commissioned to write a total of 18 compositions by temples, synagogues, and congregations in the United States alone between 1980 and 1991. So, Mr. Music, Ben Steinberg. Cantors have great reverence for liturgical texts, for their meaning, their poetry, and their strength. Serious composers feel the same way. 
the interpretation of these texts bring us together in efforts to engage our congregations with understanding, emotion, and connections to our history. And that was, of course, the voice of Ben Steinberg speaking in 2011 at an award ceremony in his honour. And now from cantorial music to art on the canvas and Rosalind Swartzman's art. She was a Montrealer, she died recently, and Janice Arnold of the CJN wrote her fascinating obituary, which you can read in the link which we put for you in our show notes. Ron, tell us more about her achievements. Well, she was a very respected Canadian artist. Her work was really exhibited in many prominent places, um, permanent collections in the National Gallery, the Musée des Beaux-Arts, and she died in Montreal in February 5th. She was 91. She was mainly a printmaker, uh, but accomplished in uh, many other media. Um, she was also a sculptor. She studied at the Montreal Artist School with someone Montrealers may know this name. I did. Gita Kaiserman Roth was a very well-known artist in Montreal, and Alfred Pinsky, who um, was uh, active in the 30s and 40s. Some might remember her by her maiden name because that's how she signed a lot of her work early on, Scheinfeld. And um, as I said, exhibited her work nationally, internationally. She had 30 group exhibits, 20 solo exhibits beginning in 1959. Uh, and in 2006, as late as that, she was still being exhibited at Sadie Bronfman Center. Now um, called the Siegel Center. Center. I still call it the Sadie Bronfman Center because I moved away a long time ago and I can't wrap my head around anything else. And um, teacher and later director of the graphic arts department at the Siegel Center from the mid-60s. Would do you say that she did specific themes? Was she known as a portraits or landscape? She, she a lot of her prints were landscapes. There's one very uh, famous one, probably one of her best known prints is the one that illustrates the Obed uh, at the CJN's website. It's a prairie scene, and it's really wonderful because it evokes sort of not just the flatness of the prairies, but a sense of loneliness too. And it says uh, she was uh, a wonderful purveyor of those kind of emotions. So that was uh, Rosalind Swartzman. And next up, I want you to hear a little bit of our next honorable mention, pretty famous in Canadian circles, political activist circles, music and art as well, Mendelssohn Joe. I'll dance with Joe. Don't be a schmo. Dance toe to toe. Come on, dance with Joe. So Ron, Mendelssohn Joe, his actual name wasn't Mendelssohn Joe. His real name was a combination of his something else. What was his real name? His real name, believe it or not, was right out of Fiddler on the Roof. It was Beryl Yosef Mendelssohn, born in Toronto, 1944. He was, I suppose if you want to look up character in the dictionary, he was the sort of the character in the Jewish community, in the arts community, in the political community. He got around. Everyone knew who Mendelssohn Joe was. He dressed a certain way, he spoke a certain way. If you didn't like it, it was just too bad. He was that kind of guy. But what made all that tolerable was that he was immensely talented. What made him interesting even more so was that he was completely self-taught in music and the visual arts. Uh, he began by singing the blues in, in Calgary and Toronto coffee houses, sort of at the height of that scene, uh, the mid-60s. He later formed a, a band with uh, Mike McKenna and a couple of others, a real rugged kind of blues band. It was called Mainline, and it actually uh, got, had some hits. One is called Better Watch Out, another one is called Get Down Too. They were modest hits. They ended up touring in Canada and Australia. But he, had, he pursued you know, a bunch of other things too. He was a wonderful painter. 
He painted acrylics. It was called the primitivist style. 38 portraits. He did a lot of Canadian pop musicians and uh, other sort of prominent people. One of them was Brian Mulroney's face on a pair of buttocks. I'm sure he loved that one. I think he called them, um, his art was on rectal orifices with the paintings of politicians. Let's be polite and not say the A word, right? I'm I'm glad you said it and not... He said it on his art, on his website. Mulroney didn't sit for the portrait, as far as I know. He had portraits of all these politicians. And it was his, what, his political commentary, what he thought about them. He called them liars, no? He called them a bunch of things. Liars was the most polite thing he called them. But no, he didn't like politicians. But look, uh, when you're that brilliant an artist, you could do that kind of thing. I couldn't, that's for sure. He sings in a voice that glumps along like a man trying to carry three bags of groceries. Didn't have a great voice, but um, he had a voice in many other ways, too. He's also known, as you mentioned, about his political views. And he expressed on his website as well that he wrote many, many letters to the editor. That was his activism. Do you know what kind of like political stripes he was? Was he NDP, liberal, socialist, Bundish? What was he? It was hard to say. He was anti-establishment, I think best described him. He could be a conservative one day and a liberal the next. He just tried to buck the trend. If he saw something he didn't like, he wrote about it. And it didn't matter. Uh, it just had to offend him in some way or concern him in some way. I also want to mention that he had a show of work, of, of his work rather, a show at the Canadian Cultural Centre in Paris, which is a big coup. And it was, uh, his art style was described as dauntless evident, evidentium. Dauntless evidentium. I'm not sure what that means, but that's what it was described. <laughs> and yeah, and another 25 works, portraits at the Robert McLaughlin Gallery in Oshawa t- titled Working Women. Yes, he did do, for example, um, Margaret Atwood, Margaret Lawrence, Roberta Bondar, Greta Thunberg, some of the people who are obviously meant a lot to him and were not on rectal orifices. (laughs) No, yeah, I didn't think much of uh, poor Brian Mulroney. But he does have a book of his portraits out there if anyone's interested. It's called Joe's Toronto. He did 30 albums. That's a lot. I mean, uh, no offense, Leonard Cohen did less. (laughs) Yeah, Leonard Cohen did few. Well, I'm not sure... um, Mendelssohn Joan was interested in really high-level production values as long as it was out there and you could have some fun with it. I think he was also a lot about having fun. I don't think he took himself all that seriously. Although what he was very serious about was his last few years of his life. Um, He had Parkinson's disease for the last five years and he was very public about how it made him... He wrote his own obituary, Mm -hmm. which... um, he said that he basically was, you know, shaking and rolling, shaking and rattling because of Parkinson's and it's interrupting his creative juices. And so he decided to end his own life using the Canadian government's legal medically assisted death program, which is unusual, but he actually was public about this. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure, we've never talked about anybody that has done that, but it well, is well. in the news lately. He went out the way he wanted to go out and he went out the way he lived with, you know, a bit of a thumb to your eye. So that was Mendelssohn Joe. And now I'd like to talk with you about a personality in Toronto who people will know perhaps her husband's ex-husband's name better than her own. Mm-hmm. But Eleanor Koldowski was very important producer, music producer in classical and folk and jazz fields in Canada. What do we know about her? Well, as you say, unfortunately, in those days, women were often defined by their the degree of success of their husbands. She was the wife, former wife of Sam Snyderman, uh, Sam the record man, but in her own right, 
She was a powerhouse in the uh, in the record industry. She was also a film producer, but mainly known in music. She was the youngest of 10 children, and her claim to fame was that at age 10, she sold her only pair of shoes to buy concert tickets at Massey Hall to hear the violinist Fritz Kreisler. And it was only then that her mother took her seriously about her love of music and art. Um, I, I hesitate to use the word first, but a lot of entries about her say she was the first Canadian female record producer. And she did produce best-selling records by Canadian Brass and Leona Boyd. She launched um, Anton Curti's recording of Beethoven piano sonatas on different labels. Other releases followed by a bunch of classical music releases, Canadian children's opera chorus. And so she was um, very well known in the Canadian music business as a wonderful producer. And she was able to, if you had the talent, she can get you a, a deal. And her albums won many awards and nominations, Juno Awards. Uh, and also when she was married to Sam Snyderman of Sam the Record Man, they both built this business into 137 stores across the country. Sam was the business brains, but I, I have a feeling she was the artistic brains she because, picked out the talent. because she picked the talent and she knew what would sell. And um, so, yes, you're right. And uh, yeah, I mentioned the Curtier recordings. They were the first classical music record to win Juno in Canada. She also worked as a film producer and director, mainly of documentaries. Um, a wonderful life and died in Toronto on February 14th at the age of 102. Right. And leaving behind uh, a wife, her spouse was Barbara Bondar, is Barbara Bondar, who was um, the sister of the astronaut Roberta Bondar and two surviving children. And we want to end off on another person in the entertainment world, but not, some people would say it's not so highbrow culture. It's a little bit lowbrow culture. Lani Poffo. Lanny Poffo. Well, we've been talking about a lot of very highbrow things. Lanny Poffo was anything but highbrow. Lanny was known as Leaping Lanny Poffo in addition to, I believe his other name was the genius Lanny Poffo. He was a pro wrestler, uh, wrestled in the World Wrestling Federation, wrestled in, in other regions and other under other names. But um, two things. Yes, he was Jewish because his mother was Jewish, Judy Poffo. He was born in Calgary. Uh, trained by Stu Hart in the uh, sort of dungeon that Stu Hart trained a lot of wrestlers in, and uh, was the brother of the macho man Randy Savage. So if you remember those guys, they were both Jewish, uh, never denied it, never never played it up either, but were. And Lanny died, sadly, in the United States. I believe he was just 68. So like many wrestlers, he died young. So he wasn't the Hebrew hammer because we had that already. No, he wasn't a Hebrew hammer and he wasn't, um, more recently there was a wrestler named Goldberg. Yes, who, of course. And then there was a wrestler named um, Barry Horowitz back in the 80s who wanted to change his name because he was sensitive about it. And he told me once in an interview that Vince McMahon said, don't change your name. Let's see what happens. And nothing happened. Not one remark. And it wouldn't be a good idea to insult Goldberg or any of these guys, because I don't think it would end well. No, they could beat the crap out of you. Well, once again, we have come to the end of our episode of the Honorable Mention, where we pay tribute to honorable Jewish men and women, mention and women who we've lost in recent months. Once again, Ron, fascinating stories. Thanks for being here. As always, please write to us and let us know if we missed anyone or any people that you think we should talk about here on the CJN Daily. We're at ebesner at the cjn.ca. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you. 